0: We'll be looking today at prophecy that Isaiah was inspired by God to give in 700 years before the birth of Christ. But this beautiful description of who it is that came. Uh, Would you please stand as read from Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born. accomplish this. Lord, thank you that you will accomplish this, and you have accomplished this. To us, uh, a son has been given, a child has been born, and he is the Prince of Peace. May you bring your peace into our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. My favorite Christmas show is Charlie Brown Christmas. We uh, we kind of need to watch that every year. Uh, we have watched it already this year. Uh, Charlie Brown early on in that that show, he comes to comes to Lucy uh, set up their psychiatric uh, help uh, desk there, and and he says how uh, he's struggling with depression, and she asks him what it is that he's afraid of. And she asks different things, and he says, well, yeah, I have some fear of that, I have some fear of that. And then she says, maybe you have pantophobia. And he says, well, what's that? And she says, it's a fear of everything. And he says, yeah, that's what I got. I have pantophobia, I have a fear of everything. Then her answer to him, she says, what you need, Charlie, is involvement. She said, you need involvement. You need to be, and then, then she tells him he needs to be director of the Christmas pageant. There's a lot of people who are way, kind of like Charlie. They have a fear of all kinds of things. Fear and anxiety just seems to be growing in our world, our society. And many are thinking the answer is what Lucy told Charlie. They're thinking the answer to dealing with their fear is, okay, I just need to be involved. I need to be busy. I need to be doing something. I need to be working hard, and maybe if I'm working hard, maybe if I'm a good person, maybe that's going to take care of my fear. It didn't do it for Charlie, and it doesn't for people today, too. No, the way we deal with the fear, the way we find peace is not through our involvement or our works, but it's through Christ. Peace comes in a surprising way. This portion of Isaiah is talking about the nation being under attack and, and having powerful enemies that are threatening them. And the answer would seem to be, well, we need to build up our military. We need stronger weapons. That's how we're going to be able to to get peace. But he comes to them and he says, this is how peace is going to happen. This is who you're going to have to protect you. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. They had to be thinking, no, that's not what we need. We don't need a child born. We, We need a big weapon. We need a big army. We need a a great, mighty warrior. We don't need a child. And yet God has this surprising way of bringing about peace. The ones who heard this first had to be thinking, what are you talking about? A a child who's going to rule nations? We continue to, to think that the Messiah is it's supposed to be one who comes on a, on a big white horse and a big chariot, and in that manner, a child, a son. And yet this is God's plan. In Isaiah 11, he, he talks about peace, he talks about the wolf living with the lamb, and then he says, and a little child will lead them. The one who leads us, the one who saves us, the one who rules the nations is one who is willing to come As a little child, he chooses this odd, surprising path. Instead of coming as a warrior, he comes as a humble baby placed in a manger. The angel comes to the shepherds and and tells them the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior, has been born and says, this will be assigned to you, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I almost wonder if the shepherds paused a minute and asked the angels, "Uh, did we hear you right? This great one that you're talking about that we're supposed to go look for, we're supposed to look for a child lying in a manger. And yet that is God's surprising way to bring about peace between us and God and peace into our lives. His surprising way is, is taking this path of humbling himself becoming a child, and then becoming one who goes to the cross. The path to peace is through the manger and the cross. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, he says, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Peace comes because he was willing to be a baby in a manger. Peace comes because he was willing to suffer and die at the cross and take our place. We often think, and the phrase has been used a lot of times, especially nations saying, peace through strength. And yes, that might be good foreign policy for a nation. But it isn't necessarily how we get peace with God. And we would think, and the way it goes in nations, they they say, well, we'll build up our army so strong, we'll scare that other nation so they won't want to do anything toward us. And yes, like we say, that might be good foreign policy, but... For us as individuals, we don't get peace because we get stronger. We get peace when we admit our weakness in our need of God. And we give thanks that God did not come and just scare us into submission. But said, God, the one who has the greatest strength, chose to become a weak baby, chose to become weak and hung on a cross. And that is a path to peace. Peace comes because Jesus takes the load. He says the government will be on his shoulders. Meaning that the burden, the responsibility of running the world is going to be on his shoulders. He talks in verse 4 earlier in this chapter about a yoke and, and burdens and bar being on a shoulder. A yoke is that sense of responsibility the responsibility of trying to govern the world is on jesus shoulders and the responsibility of trying to govern our lives that's that also ought to be on his shoulders and yet so often we're wanting the governing of our lives to be on our shoulders and we're trying to put the responsibility in the governing of our lives well i'll put it on my shoulders i'll carry that i'll take care of it i want to be in charge That doesn't work well when the governing is on our shoulders. Now, we need to be willing to let him take the load. In Psalm 81 and verse 6, the Lord says, I removed the burden from their shoulders. And then he says, in your distress you called and I rescued you. God wants to take the burden of trying to run your life. He wants to take the burden of being in charge of your life. He wants to take the burden off of your shoulders. He's willing to put it on his shoulders. And then we follow and we do as he leads us and as he calls us, and we still have responsibilities, but the responsibility of getting everything right, the responsibility of figuring things out, handling all the problems, that responsibility, it's not ours. We don't do well when we try to handle all that. The government, the governing of our lives, it rests on his shoulders. And it always goes better when you let it be on his shoulders. Jesus in Matthew 11, he says, take my yoke upon you. And then he says, I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's saying, instead of take the yoke of having to do everything, instead of taking the yoke of thinking you've got to fix all the problems, take His yoke. Take the responsibility that He has for you. Don't take a bigger load than what He intends for you to carry. Maybe you're carrying too big a load today. Maybe you think you're responsible to fix all your family problems. Maybe you think you're responsible to save your kids and your grandkids. No, He says you do what you're called to do. You're called to share and you're called to love. And you're called to serve, but you're not called to be the Savior. Don't take that responsibility on yourself. Just take the yoke that he has for you. Take the governing and the burden that he has for you. In a way, it's like with, with little kids. Sometimes you get little kids and they, maybe they, they want to help. They want to, want to carry something. But sometimes they might come and they want to carry something that's a little too big for them to carry. And then you got to say, okay, how about I carry this and you carry that? In a way, we're like little kids, and sometimes in our pride, we're thinking we can carry more than we really can. And we don't like to humble ourselves and admit, no, I can't really carry that burden. And we have to just take the burden and, and let God say, God, tell me what it is that I'm supposed to carry. Let me know the responsibility that you want me to carry, and forgive me for proud. Proudly thinking I can carry more than I really can. Peace comes when we let Jesus take the load. And peace comes because Jesus reigns. He is the one who reigns. As it says here in Isaiah, he will reign. It talks about his kingdom being established and, and that he will uphold his kingdom. He is the mighty God who reigns over all. He has unmatched might. He, it might seem, in a way to us, as we look at the world scene, it might look like the Lord doesn't reign, like he isn't in control. But it's one of those things that in Scripture often we say it's already but not yet. Yes, he already reigns, but we don't yet see it in his total fulfillment. He's already on the throne, but, but he does say for a time evil will torment and evil will cause problems And so it's not total fulfillment, it's not totally seen, but he still reigns. And there is no question about who is on the throne now and who is on the throne for all eternity. Don't let circumstances and world situations change your mind about who's on the throne. In Psalm 93, he says, The Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. Your throne was established long ago, you are from all eternity. God's throne is established and it's not changing. In Hebrews, as the book of Hebrews begins in chapter 1, he talks about the superiority of Christ. And then he says, But about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. There's no term limits to his reign, his power does not ebb and fade. He is forever. In Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 7, he says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. Peace comes when we know God reigns. If we thought the human leaders are the ones who are in charge, then it wouldn't be peaceful at all. It'd be scary. But we rest in the truth that, yeah, no matter who has the, the titles and all of that, we know who really is in charge of things. And that gives peace. Years ago, I remember a guy talking, some guys were talking, and somebody asked this guy, he says, well, can you sleep when somebody else is driving? And he had a good answer, I thought. He said, it depends on who's driving. <laughs> he said, some people, when they're driving, I don't sleep very well. But he says, when somebody I really trust is driving, then I sleep okay. Similar in our lives. If, if you think the world folks, uh, leaders, are the ones who are driving the world, then, yeah, then you shouldn't be sleeping well. But when you really know that God reigns, when you really know that he's the one behind the wheel, then you can rest. Do you know that Jesus is behind the wheel of the world and is he behind the wheel of your life? Are you letting him have the wheel and are you resting, are you at peace? Because you know he's the one in charge. The Lord's peace is just. He establishes justice and righteousness. All that he does is just, it's right. He is the wonderful counselor. It means he knows what is best. He knows what is true and... and, There is justice with the Lord. With the world, there's so often injustice. And when there's injustice, then there isn't peace. But God, God is just. We can always trust, no matter how it might seem, no matter what's going on, no matter how much times we don't understand what God's doing, we know he's going to do what is just. In Isaiah 59.8, he says, The way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their paths. Justice is far from us. Our way is not just. The world's way is not just. Often there's all kinds of unfairness and unrighteousness in the world. But as Isaiah 59 continues in verse 15, he says, The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. But then it says, So his own arm worked salvation for him. The Lord looked and saw this was a world full of injustice and unfairness. And so instead of just saying, well, they've gone a wrong path, let them deal with the consequences. No, the Lord himself intervened. The Lord came to a world that was unjust, a world that was not going to treat him fairly. A world that did not receive him as they should have. And yet he came to this unjust world and he worked salvation. And we find peace in his justice. Tough being on the In some ways, tough being on the Supreme Court. Because especially some of these big cases, you just know, and they have to know that no matter how they're going to decide, there's going to be a big segment of the country that's going to say that's a wrong decision. There's going to be a big segment that's going to say that is unjust. And yes, sometimes human courts, their decisions aren't just. But we rejoice that the one who is truly supreme, his decisions are always right. They might be confusing to us. And we might not understand why he's deciding as he does and why he settles cases as he does. And sometimes the reasoning behind what God does is a mystery to us. But even in those times, we rest and we find peace in the confidence and the promise that God is just. That gives peace. And the Lord's peace is unending. He's the everlasting father. He says his peace will have no end. There will be no end to his peace. It's from time on and forever. we look in the Old Testament, we see that they had times when there was peace. And then pretty soon there'd be some unjust ruler and there'd be some conflict and there'd be warfare going on. And it has continued that way throughout human history. We have have periods where things get settled and we think, oh, now we're in a time of peace. And then it lasts a couple days. And then something happens and the world's seen somewhere or another. And we go, oh, yeah, there's conflict again. That's how it is in this world. But we give thanks that God's peace is eternal. And that begins with the peace that He establishes between us and Him. We can be at peace with God because of what Jesus has done at the cross for us. In Isaiah 53 and verse 5, he says, The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. The punishment he took at the cross that brings peace. It ends the conflict that is there because of our sinful nature. It ends that separation that we have by nature from God. It ends that, and now we can be at peace with God. In Romans 5, verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we have peace with God, then we can enjoy the peace of God. Peace can guard our hearts and our minds. We can be at peace in our souls because we know we are in a peaceful relationship with our Creator. Jesus in John 14, verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The world gives a peace that lasts for a moment. And there's some people who they, they maybe get a little peaceful feeling at Christmas time and they enjoy the, the season and all of that and they get a little peace from some of that stuff. But the world just gives a peace that's momentary. Jesus gives a peace that's not just based on the circumstances, not just based on a certain season, but he gives a peace that remains. In Isaiah chapter 8, he has verses and words that sound a lot like our day and age. He says, do not call conspiracy everything that these people call conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. There are many in our day and age who see conspiracies all over the place. And they're calling all kinds of things conspiracies. Well, it's not a new thing. They were doing it Isaiah's day as well. He says, don't, don't just get, call everything a conspiracy and don't get wrapped up in being fearful of this and that and this might happen and that might happen. He says, don't fear what they fear. Instead, he says, I will wait for the Lord. I will put my trust in him. Wait for him. Put your trust in him. In the Charlie Brown Christmas show, as I've talked about before, there is this scene towards the end of it where, where he comes and, and Charlie is asking, what is Christmas all about? And then Linus says, I'll, I'll tell you what Christmas is all about. And then he he. He declares the the account from the Gospel of Luke about Christmas, and then he he comes <clears throat> comes to the part where the angel tells the shepherds to not be afraid, and, and there's this little part in the show where, when Linus tells repeats those words, "Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people." Linus drops his blanket. His blanket that was his security blanket, that he kind of had all these fears and stuff, and he was always holding on to that blanket. He he drops a blanket when he repeats those words, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news. And it was kind of like Charles Schultz giving a little message in that. That when you know the good news that Christ has come, then you can let go of the security blanket. You don't need the blanket or you don't need the other stuff that you think you have to hold on to to deal with the fears. Instead, you can rest in the promise. We drop the security blankets, the other things that we think, well, that's going to take care of my fears. Instead, we know that our fears are dealt with because the Prince of Peace has come. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that the Prince of Peace truly has come. And thank you, Lord, for that declaration to the shepherds, the declaration to Mary, the declaration to Joseph, do not fear. Thank you that that's a word for us too, that you are the one who comes and brings peace that has no end. Lord, we live in a world that, is in great need of that peace. Help us in sharing that good news. In Jesus' name, amen.